Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. It's Friday, and yes, I'm not dead, and I can talk. See, I can't actually talk. See, so what's really, really cool is that um, I have a voice. However, um, what's not really cool is that I'm hacking every 10 minutes. Oh, my God, you folks. I have to tell you, I wasn't bullshitting about my post today. I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning, took this ridiculous cough medicine, only to find out I was going to hack every five minutes for the last hour and 20 minutes. So, no, I'm not delighted. Yes, I'm going to the doctor. Very excited about the guests that I have on today. So I just want to give you folks a quick update to those of you that are out and about this evening. A couple places I want to mention. First of all, it's St. Patrick's Day, so don't be an idiot. And I mean that in the most loving way possible, which is this. We all know that cops are out there. We all know that there are buses, taxis, Ubers, and lifts out there. So this is my 30 seconds because why? I used to be that drunk driver at 20 and tonight i'm driving to one place i'm not driving anywhere else so the reality is stay safe folks have a good time enjoy yourselves but stay safe second of all to those of you that want to support live local music four different places for you first of all now i'm in trouble because they didn't tell me specifically but if you look up either scotty barron's p-e-r-e-n-d-t i know that he's playing on north avenue on the east side tonight uh, scotty barron is down um on brady street if i'm not mistaken scotty barron e-rock eric von Quasen. Slash E-Rock, to those of you that know him, including myself, is also either going to be downtown or on the east side. Um, I want to say it's 8 o'clock start time for both, so check those out. Scotty Barron as well as E-Rock. Second of all, anybody and everybody who can get down to see Cherry Pie tonight. They're playing down at Moe's and Wauwatosa. That starts at 9 o'clock. And then, of course, the Squeezettes are playing from 8 till 12 at May Meets. I will most likely be at the last two, uh, if not all four, um, depending on how long I have to cook and be on the radio and die with this cold. So without further ado, and I'm going to stop yapping, and we're going to get Mars on the line so we can talk to him because I'm so excited to be hosting him today. Hi, hey, Mars. Thank you for, for having me. Happy uh, St. Patrick's uh, Day. Thank you. I'm sure you heard me babbling on and on. I wanted to do my cute little promo for my local musicians because you're into music, so you know this. It's all about promotion, promotion, promotion. I have to talk about my friends, otherwise nobody's going to go. You know what I'm saying? So no, that's the only way to have friends. friends. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So, okay, so there's a lot to talk about. I'm so excited. I've looked at all your different pictures, and I'm like, oh, my God, you remind me of so many friends that I know. First of all, you're from Canada. So, of course, folks, if you've not looked at them, look at them. You got beat with that beauty stick. That's what I call it. Canadians got beat with the beauty stick which means you're obviously attractive. Um, so it must be a Canadian thing. I'm curious. <laughs> I think the one thing that we got is we don't really grow old. I'm 44, so um, people oh think my I'm God. in my 30s or 20s. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to be like, oh, my God, he's got to be no more than like 30. Because you look, you look extremely young. In all of your pictures, it's kind of the same resounding theme. You're very young. But this is my question about Canada, because a lot of my dear friends are from Canada, and I interview them, and musicians and such. Just, just so Talk you know, me. actually, I, li- I live in Los Angeles, and I'm a dual citizen. I'm a Canadian. Oh, and really? So I was born oh in God. Toronto, though. So. Yes, so, I yeah. did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, okay, we want to talk about, clearly, because obviously you live in L.A., and I call it the land of... Yeah, it scares me there. That's all I'm going to say. I, I just get nervous every should. time I have to go As down there. <laughs> you guys are a little strange, man, I'm telling you. It's not like going to New York, you know what I mean? It's like two different cultures, so we have to talk about this. Yeah. So here here you are. You come from Toronto. You eventually find yourself in L.A. So uh, I want to talk wait, about two I, things. I toured for 10 years in New York City before I came right. to L.A. So. And I do remember that, and we are going to talk about that. But for the moment, we'll just do the staples, which is obviously you're in California now. You originally stem from Toronto. So in terms of two things, music and movies, um, how is – it must be so diverse, you know what I'm talking about? Because I've 
I haven't been to Toronto yet, but I've talked to enough people that are in both industries to know and get a sense of it. So talk to me a little bit about, is it an adjustment? Because there's so much competition in LA. Things are so very different when it comes to the music scene and the movie scene realistically, because Hollywood is there. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? I think that's important for people to know because I have listeners in both. Well, I'm going to be a little bit biased. Um, <laughs> okay. Canadian film scene can work for a lot of people, and uh, and I'm I'm all for Canadians, and I'm all for the audiences and the people that work in the industry. But I'm a little bit jaded in that there's a grant system up in Canada that uh, you oh. kind of have to know people. You have to be on an in, and it tends to it seems a little bit unfair. And if you're basing your whole life on whether or not you get a grant to make a movie, you might not make one. Whereas in L. A. Uh, I can turn to anybody on any bus or any street corner and they happen to own all the best gear because they all came here with one dream to like make movies or act or whatever one day. So it's a lot more accessible. And I think from being in New York and having kind of like an edgier vibe from working in nightclubs and playing in bands and stuff, there's not a real, there's not a huge underground film scene in Los Angeles surprisingly like I think I'm like the Ed Wood of here right now because there's like people are either trying to do these major things where every single person I meet has a a, a giant project that's that's in waiting because they're waiting on it's like a waiting game but 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 there's not many people that are saying, hey, let's go shoot illegally on streets with all these punk singers and porn stars, make a movie, and we don't care if, there's, if they don't have big IMDb credits, but let's just do this because it's cool and it's artistic, and if we go to jail, fine. You know, I think I'm like one of the only guys out here doing that, so it's like I feel like there's not a lot of competition for me like right now. Sure. Maybe it will change, sure. but uh, New York, there was a, a lot of people that did what I have been doing, but they, I guess in general they all – got fed up that nobody could really make a living doing it. So it's become kind of like an art project for half these people. And, sure. you know, everybody has day jobs, so it's hard to pursue that. So that's kind of where I am right now. As far as filmmakers go, you know, uh, like Canada, if you, if you grow up in Canada, you're into Bruce McDonald's, you know, he's the rebel making mm-hmm. movies like Highway 61 and Hardcore Logo. Right. And Bruce LaBruce, the gay pornographer filmmaker that does kind of like films with, called Hustler White with Madonna's husband That that's like kind of edgy and punk and not so not necessarily so gay but he's doing something different and in the 70s would have been like Cronenberg who's still an idol of mine but in in LA you know it's like you you do have access to everybody like I'm I'm sitting at my desk right now at a a post-production company owned by the editors of Michael Bay you know so it's kind of like everything's kind of like a hop step and a jump away out here um small world actually yeah. No kidding. Okay. Now I know that you've attended York University, obviously, and you took up film pro slash uh, screenwriting. So that made sense to me. So I was trying. I've been sitting here racking my brain trying to think to myself. Okay. So making a leap from doing something like DJing to filmmaking is same but different. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and I found that curious because I was like, yeah, I wouldn't have pegged you for being a DJ in a in a bar anywhere or any kind of event. To be honest with you, it, you just don't look it. You know what I'm talking about? So I find out they used to do this DJ thing. So I'm like, how do you go from, to me, it's just that it seems like a stretch that you're doing this and all of a sudden you're like, hey, well, you know what? Let's start doing this. And I know obviously you're educated and you, and you took that, et cetera. But what was the driving force behind wanting to switch from doing this to making filmmaking more primary? 
Well, it, it's really funny because it's taken me about 27 years to remember how this all happened. And basically, <laughs> when I was going to York University uh, back in like 90, 91 to 95, um, I wanted to write a movie about like downtown and nightlife and clubs and stuff. So I started hanging out at a, a goth bar called Death in the Underground. And, and before I knew it, I became a DJ because I I wanted to uh, find out more about these worlds, you know? So I was like, I was like living almost like a lie. I just wanted to do my own research. And somehow in doing my research, I ended up kind of leaving the whole film thing behind and uh, becoming a DJ for like 25 years in goth bars and S&M clubs. And then eventually in New York in the, in the whole club kids scene with like Kiyoki and people like that. Um, and, uh, and now like, somehow coming back into making movies, which was through my last film, which was a documentary about Patricia Field, the sex in the city stylist, because I was working at that store. Um, it, it made me realize that I was just doing research this whole time. I'm actually a filmmaker. <laughs> you know, I just happened to detour into DJing for 26 years and uh, falling into like alcoholism and everything else uh, and almost never coming back and wanting to kill myself and stuff. And, and then I realized, wait, I'm the character I was writing about. I'm, I'm a filmmaker, you know? And so, so now I'm, I'm like kind of doing what I, I've always done. And as far as the connection between DJing and filmmaking, I'd say, because I've, gotten good as a DJ. I learned with vinyl and records and like I might have been a goth DJ, but I, I, I worked at a, a, a hip hop radio station called CHRY where I learned how to quick cut and scratch and stuff from hip hop DJs. So mm -hmm. so that whole aspect of things makes it so easy for me to be an editor because I can think about five shots at the same time like a DJ would five records at the same time. So that's, that, that uh -huh. kind of goes hand in hand. I think DJs make good uh, film editors. So if there's any film editors that want to be DJs, you'd probably be good. And any any uh, DJs that want to be film editors, you'd probably be really good at it. You should look into it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That is, yeah. Because I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, you know, you have to be creative when it does a date with you, especially when you're dealing with music of all kinds of big crowds and all that good stuff. I guess I probably should ask you because God knows you must have 800 stories. The, the pluses and the minuses, because people listen to my show all the time and they hear somebody and like, oh, my God, I totally want to try this. So let's say somebody's out there listening to you right now and they're like, you know what, this DJ thing sounds really cool. So I want you to talk to me about the upside and the downside of doing something like that for such a, such a distinguished amount of time. It's not like you just came into this for a year and you're like, yeah, this isn't for me. Talk to us a little bit about what the good part is and what the bad part is and mainly, of course, what you took away from that experience because you're still doing it. But, I mean, obviously, after all these years, I think you've learned something from it, right? Or do we have to wait for the movie? Yeah. <laughs> this No, this is, this is one thing that uh, – this is one of the few things in life where I'm like, if you were to get into it now – you could probably get to what took me 26 years to get up to in a few months of using specialized computer programs, going to blogs, finding out what the best music is, using your PR through Facebook and stuff, and like getting everybody out here tonight, and then getting signed to a, a DJ booking agency, and then becoming world famous the next day and buying a house. Like I've seen that, and it makes me really, really mad. <laughs> <laughs> really mad, you know. Um, 
Um, but that's how life is, you know. I, I right. actually, there was one point in my career where somebody came up to me in Toronto and they wanted me to help them design a DJ program that would allow people to DJ and, and like this whole MP3 thing was just coming out and they wanted, they were going to pay me to do that. I said, I can't do that. That's going to, that's going to end DJing for people that make this a career forever, you know, because going to record shops all week and finding out what the best songs are and practicing how to mix it and stuff. That's like a skill and an art and you're going to ruin that. So I didn't do it. And now I'm shooting myself because that's exactly what happened. And somebody got paid to do it. Like there's no stopping technology. Um, right. On, on a, on a real level. Um, one thing I could say is, um, if you're going to get into it, yeah, you'll meet a lot of people and you'll have a lot of friends and, and it, it's fun. It's a good way to be the center of a party and, and get invited to parties and, and, and uh, you know, you'll feel like a rock star. You'll feel like oh, of course. you're in a famous band or something and that that's a, hmm. a great thing. You know, it's a good way to meet people if you're single and you want to date or whatever. But at the same time... Um, it gets kind of depressing and lonely because after you make that first group of friends, um, you'll find another group of friends and another group of friends. And people like kind of get to this point where they're like, we're grown up. We don't go to clubs anymore. We have kids and we don't hang out, but you keep doing that for another 40 years and it starts to get a little bit depressing, you know, and, and you, you, you hang out with the, the people that are, are the lifers like yourself that are still doing it. Um, the other thing is, you know, it's very easy to fall into addiction and stuff doing this because everything's around you all the time, you know, and sometimes if you're having a boring night, it's the only way to pass time. But um, the best thing is, is if you, uh, if you like music and you actually like the art of DJing, um, then it's fun. You know, like I used to like be so excited to just play people new music that I liked and, and advice that I'd have for anybody out there, and this uh, famous gabber, like hardcore techno DJ named Dominic uh, gave me at one point is he's like, play music that you like and eventually your crowd will find you. Because the worst experience I ever had was playing a totally different genre of music I wasn't into at a, at a club I didn't really want to be at, to people I didn't really want to hang out with, and I was bombing while selling sure. out in every possible way and it was like the worst it was like one of the worst feelings so like it's better to go and do something die hard that you like that nobody else is doing don't try to copy anybody get your own sound and your own voice and then like you just look at it as you're practicing you might be playing to two people but like eventually if people will see that you're so into this it will start to grow and that's kind of that's the better better vibe because those kind of nights I've had nights like that where I thought I'd pay to be here right now you know I'm getting paid paid to be here but I would actually pay to be doing this right now because it's fun and yeah the fun has to keep going on so Hmm. um, and and for all the new DJs out there I, I, I really I would recommend that you go out and get some record players and learn with vinyl because, like, you can apply that to your your, your software and, and 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 just get a more of a of a vibe of uh, playing live, you know, and the art of it. Because I've I've fallen into like the pushing the beat mix button on these like DJ systems, and you can even DJ with your iPhone these days. And oh uh, you know, it it kind of works, but then when it doesn't, there's really no excuse except 
people are realizing you're pushing the button and, and it's not really working. So you kind of got to get like, sure. it's better to kind of get the, I went out and I got some new uh, CD players recently, DJ CD players, just so I can feel like I'm spinning on vinyl again. And, and <laughs> I, I do everything old school. I go and I practice for hours at a time and, and then plan out my set and go and do a, do a gig. So um, That's cool. DJing's fun, but watch out for the, watch out for the other problems and, um, mm. Don't be cocky. Uh, everybody hates that cocky person, and most of the young DJs they go out there and they 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 like the cockiest kind of rapper. You know, it's like KRS-One as as like uh, the white kid. You know that, and it just doesn't really work after a while. People don't like that. You know, get along with everybody. Don't have attitude, and it'll all come back. You know, better. Yeah. That's my advice. You've learned a lot. Oh, my gosh. You really have learned a lot, actually, which poses my other question because, of course, you sit as a DJ, and one of the, the biggest things that you do, obviously, is entertain a crowd with the music that you have. So I have to ask because I, I couldn't find in researching you, conf- confirmed at least, are you uh, musically inclined yourself, meaning do you play, do you sing, do you do any of that stuff? Yeah, actually, I play guitar, and uh, and oh. I used to sing in a band called Tulips for Tina, which is kind of like a, a cow punk band, and, and uh, I, I haven't, um, cool. I, I put a lot of my guitar down and uh, my my music projects since I, I've come out to Los Angeles five years ago, itching to kind of go out and do some more things, but I find it's hard for me to do uh, a lot to do more than filmmaking at once. It's like filmmaking takes up my whole life. Right. My fiance's life. It takes up all my money and all my time. So it's hard for me to like kind of be serious and put together a band to go out and, and, and play. But, uh, so I guess the most popular uh, project I had was this group called rise NYC. This partner, Shelly Ebner in New York. And it was kind of a, it actually that partly got me back into filmmaking too. It was a it was a electronic pop band, kind of like Garbage, but for all our shows, our backing tracks were put on DVD, and I would shoot experimental movies that we'd project on the screen behind us. A different film every time we play at like a lot of gay nightclubs and stuff in New York, um, hmm. and uh, and we ended up being released on a, a couple compilations. One out of Germany, uh, this label, which is known as the Electro uh, Clash, the Electro Electro label called. International DJ Gigolo Records with uh, it's owned by DJ Hell. I guess the most mm-hmm. famous acts from that was like Miss Kitten and the Hacker and and like uh, Fisher Spooner when all that stuff came out in the early 2000s. We were on that, as well as Larry T. Uh, uh, he had a label called Mogul Music, and we were out on something of his called Gentle Electric. So that's like my my ventures with with that I've played a lot of bands that oh. didn't really get signed or anything but that was the that was the that was the main one and my my, my last band Tulips Routine has a song in, in my most recent film Scumbag and actually I lost my tracks from all my projects over time were featured in, in this film I just didn't even tell the cast but nobody complained so I guess it's not that bad <laughs> or nobody could say hey that's you singing you know or whatever well, yeah. right. no exactly Excuse me, one second. So that was going to be my other question: Is since you veered away from it, do you find that you're completely going to want to back? Excuse me, go back to it eventually. 
Yeah, I want to go back to it, and, and as you can tell, like like my movie, say Scumbag, there's a lot of musicians in it, and it's because uh, I always kind of get along with musicians, you know, like uh, my brother-in-law, ex-brother-in-law, Keith Tongo Powers from The Cramps is in in the film, and he, you know, he's going to be at our, our our North American premiere at Queens World Film Festival this Saturday, and then I got everybody from right. Keith Morris from, you know, The Circle Jerks, and, and, and all the way to like DJs like Kiyoki to unreleased music by Steven, Steve Strange from Visage, you know, um, like music's always a part of me. It's funny when I make a, when I make a movie, I don't get influenced by movies out there. In fact, I don't like to see movies because I'm afraid it might influence my ideas. And the last thing I want to do is somebody else's idea. But instead okay. I, I, I like to listen to music. And when I hear something that's really touches me, I, I think in my head, this is an opening scene for a, a movie. I got to make a whole movie just so I can put this song in it. And, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of where it goes. You know, like my first film was a lot of dance music. This, this film's a lot of punk music. I see my next film having like a lot of dance hall reggae. Like I listen to a lot of stuff and it's also like, depends like where I've been in my life. Like it's always been different. You know, even if there's music you don't like, you're going to be hearing it wherever you go, you know, like in your neighborhood and stuff. So, um, yeah, music music plays a uh, number one role for me in, in my films. In fact, Scumbag I actually called a rocktopia because it wasn't a musical, it, even though it had some musical elements. Um, and people are like, how can you have like singing and dancing in in your movie if it's not a musical? It has to be it has to be only that, or don't put it in. And I'm like, well, I don't like following rules for one, and two, um, like. Like music plays such a big part for me that sometimes some some of the scenes I just had to break into a music video kind of kind of thing because it it was like let's just go all out here and so I made up a whole doctrine called Rocktopia. It's a manifesto where it's like there has to be at least three three songs in the movie written by the actor or the musician, and there has to be musicians playing actors that have nothing to do with the kind of musician they are. And so I'll have like punk musicians playing nerds. I'll have like gay guys playing straight guys and so on. And, and, and I just, uh, I don't know. I added more rules. Like you have to have over 200 cast members, you know, that have roles. And, um, I, it's on our, it's on our site. So it's scumbag dash movie.com. You can look it up. There's like seven whole points to it, but I just like, I just said, well, okay, music's such a part of this. is This is called the Rocktopia, and and music's always going to play a role for me. And even when I'm not uh, listening to music or I'm not DJing as much, I could put a DJ set together in in a couple hours of all new music that I've never even heard because I know what I like when I hear it. And I've spent too many years hanging out in record shops, you know, not. So, yeah. Is there something else uh, you you wanted to know about that? Or hello? Well, let's just see if we can get Mars back in the line. This is confusing. Okay, just one second. Okay, Mars. Yeah, I was hello? about to tell everybody everything oh. that saved the world, but oh, uh, you cut me God. off. So, I'll, oh well, next time. I was <laughs> I was literally holding my phone, listening to you, and then all of a sudden 
it was gone. It was like my phone turned a different color. I kid you not, it was like a gremlin activity. The phone turned a different color. I had to recall back into the show because when you get dropped, like if you drop me on accident, then I have to wait for the call through to go through. This is the amazing technology as it relates to internet radio versus being in a studio together right now. So I apologize. Hopefully I won't lose you again. I'm in a better part of my house too. I don't know how that happened, but I was on airplane mode and it was a mess, but we're back. So that's the important thing. So we were talking about uh, music within your films, obviously, or or talking about you playing music, et cetera, obviously, because like I said, I was intrigued because I've never seen you play, but I would assume, as you mentioned, that you do play, of course. And I know you've said before many times how much music has meant to you within the course of a film. So I want you to answer this question, if you don't mind, since you're a director, and, and again, I have a lot of people that are supportive of film or in film that listen to the show. So for you personally as a director, what are some of the defining um, components or, or things that you look for when you're picking up songs or melodies or things to put within a movie? What's most important to you where you say, you know what, yeah, that's point on. What's key to you for picking music? Um, honestly, it, the first thing I do is I, I people send me stuff and I'll, I'll discover stuff on my own and I'll think, oh, I like this. I want to be able to, I want to be able to use this one day, you know? Um, my my new thing since since making scumbag is I, uh, my immediate is do you own the rights to the, do I know the person who owns the rights to the music because if they're with a publishing company and or a big label there's a, probably a good chance even if they're my buddy I might not get this this song you know and and really it, there's so much there's so much music out there well it's not just a matter of I won't get it but like one song could cost me two twenty thousand dollars and I'm thinking well I'm making your song famous you know it's going to be in a movie you know like there's people that pay me to put music in, in, in you know not to see I would take money for that but so it, it it's hard you know there like a good example is I really wanted this Johnny Thunders um tune in in uh in scumbag and I had cut a whole scene around it and I learned quickly that like to get rights to a song doesn't mean you got rights to the song. You got rights to about 10 seconds of the song. And if you want the whole song, okay. you might as well own that song for life because you're going to pay a fortune for it. So at the light rate I'm at right now, um, I have limits on how I can pick what I like. But um, it's pretty much for me... Um, I'll, 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 I'll hear songs that I like, and I'll say, this needs to be in a movie. I need to put this in. And then when I'm editing, I'll try them out and see if it works or not. And then, then I'll go after the rights for it. And if I can't get the rights, I'll try to find stuff that kind of fits like it. But uh, being the editor, I have okay. the advantage of being able to test and try many different things. And some of the stuff that I thought would really work didn't. And then other songs uh, worked out of nowhere that I thought would not. You know, So that's kind of... That's kind of how it works. And then I, I work with the composer, Lionel Cohen, who I've known it from Toronto and New York and now L.A., where we've been following each other around. Um, okay. I'll have him write something, or, or I'll go into his massive library of music and say, okay, I need music like this for these kind of scenes. Like, I'll first go with the bands I want, because uh, if, if it was up to me, I'd have a whole movie just scored by bands, like after band, after band, after band. But then when I need, like, you know, just that basic soundtrack stuff, uh, we'll see what was missing, and I'll go to him, and we'll, we'll see what, we, what he can come up with, and that's, that's, how, we, that's how we do it. 
But uh, nice. my movies start with, with a, a, it always starts with the song that I'm so, I, I see a whole scene for. And, and that scene is usually at the beginning of my movies or something. I'm like, I need this. This is going to be the, what the movie vibe is. And, and then I go from there. So, like, I kind of don't start making my next film until I have the first song for it already figured out, you know. Um, so and that's, it's a little yeah. different process. I mean, different than some filmmakers, because obviously each filmmaker has their own process or, or fine-tuning, so to speak, in terms of how they put a movie together. But that's a neat concept, actually, and, and I actually like that idea. Um, now, I want to ask, because you had touched upon this, and I know that you do this. I'm just double-checking, because you've acted as editor in terms of movies and sizzle reels and corporate presentations, etc. Now, do you find that you even have time, or do you still continue with the editing component side of things? Um um, well, the editing stuff is like my day job stuff right now, you know. Um, um, it's harder for me to do stuff for other people, you know, um, but I, I will when I can. Like, like I'm in, uh, pretty grateful for my actors that kind of a lot of them work on spec with me that if if I do well, oh. they'll do well, but, you know, so so – you know, I try to return the favor, like Spooky Rubin, who's also an old friend of mine. He's one of the uh, actors in Scumbag, and uh, he plays a character named Junior, which is a gutter punk, which is kind of funny because, like, he, he does kind of, like, pop music when he's not playing those kind of roles. And mm-hmm. um, he needed a music video done, so, uh, like, edited. So I'm like, okay, I'll edit your music video. What he didn't tell me is it was in five different languages and shot five times, and he wants them all to be kind of the same. So it took me, I don't know, six months, but we got five music videos done with uh, tr- with subtitles all in, like, Japanese, German, Spanish, Italian, <laughs> Chinese. And, and it's like, uh, that that was fun. I like editing music videos for people. I don't get that, that, that opportunity too much anymore because the whole music video industry um, is kind of over, so it's a lot of homemade stuff, and when people do homemade, they mm-hmm. kind of do it themselves. So I don't really see a lot of that, and uh, I, mm-hmm. I like editing. It, it calms me down. It's it's fun for me. So if it's up to me, I would continue to edit all my films from here on, or at least do the main cut. But uh, okay. the assistant editing stuff, which is all the nitty gritty of hey, I'm going to make encodes, I'm mm-hmm. going to sync sound, I'm going to I'm going to take all that footage and put it on from one hard drive to another. I'm just not having as much time for that because like we would shoot a day and then I'd spend two weeks putting all that stuff into a computer so that it's editable. So on the next film, I definitely want to hire assistant editors to do that because I just don't know if I'll have enough time. You know, I actually have a crazy plan of of shooting three completely different movies back to back, uh, on my next run here. <laughs> so, oh so my know, God. Good I, luck with I'll that. I'll be able to edit, edit that. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I can't blame you. I mean, that's, that's a great aspiration actually. And kudos to you for even just getting that. I mean, it's tough enough just to do one film, let alone embark on something like that. So that's really cool. I'm crossing my fingers for you on that one. Just have to see how it goes. Thank we you. all run. I think we all have big, anybody that's in the creative or the entertainment industry has a list of mile long, including myself. And I keep saying, oh, I'm going to get to 50 things. And then it's like 40 and then it's 42. But I'm, I, you look like you have the drive and the energy for it. And you're a little younger than I am. So we'll see how it goes. This is a fun fact Thanks. that we have to talk about. Um, 
I want to ask you about Hustler. You used to work for Hustler magazine. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it sounds pretty dramatic. I worked for Hustler magazine, but yes, I, I basically worked at the, at their store, their flagship store. Oh. It's funny. Oh. It's funny. Like you, you talk about these stories about how you know people come to, to New York. Uh, I mean, Los Angeles with nothing, and they make it. Like I heard stories about Brad Pitt being like dressing up as a bird costume to hand out um, flyers for Polo Loco when he got here at like Highland and and uh, Sunset, but. And it's probably true, you know. Um, for me, um, I came here with my ex-wife at the time, and and I, I had this great great idea that you know I'll just find a job when I get to LA. You know how hard can it be? And I literally, I don't know. I think it came with down with two grand, and I got down to my last quarter. My literally my last quarter. I had walked all the way from like. Hollywood to Venice Beach, which is about 12 miles, looking for a job one day. And so oh I can't God. come back till I find something. And then, I don't know, man. It's like I fell on my knees, prayed to God, wondering what's going to happen. I don't even have money to get home. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I get a phone call out of nowhere to go uh, for my job interview at Hustler's Sex Shop. And I'm thinking... I don't even remember applying to here. You know, I don't remember applying to here. You know, there's a guy that got a sixth sense of humor. You know, so so I went, okay. and I I just remember thinking, man, I don't want to be seen walking into a sex shop. Of course, it's the biggest store on Sunset with the widest open window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then once I got there, I was like, this ain't bad. You know, this is kind of like working at Kmart or something or Target. Um, and and. And I had all this experience from being a stylist for Patricia Field, working at Patricia Field for 10 years. So, And they had like a whole like fashion section of T-shirts and lingerie and corsets and that. So when I wasn't teaching like young kids how to sell uh, dildos to drunken Armenians on a Friday night, um, I was selling oh clothes God. and hanging them, pretending I was in a dry queen store. And, I had some crazy experiences. Like I remember carting this one guy that kept trying to give me 20 bucks so that he could leave. And I'm like, dude, I need your ID, man. I need your ID. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm looking at the ID and I'm looking at him and blah, blah, blah. And he leaves. And then somebody says, you know, that was Sting, right? <laughs> I'm like, no, I guess that's why he's trying to give me money so he can leave. But I don't care. <laughs> I'll still card you. Oh, my God. Sting on Sting. But, um, yeah, so... Yeah, That's it was, it was, it was, I, it was a fun point. You know, I, I probably would have still, uh, in fact, my, from my experiences working at that store, um, most of Scumbag is autobiographical from something right. uh, a telemarketing company I worked at in the 90s, but the girlfriend character works at a sex shop, and uh, that didn't actually happen at that time. You know, I had a girlfriend character mm-hmm. in real life that worked at a Pez dispensary where they sold, like, 70s Pez <laughs> candies and stuff. But um, instead, uh, instead, so I, I incorporated that experiences from that store into um, into – um, scumbag and sure enough like I got like Nina Hartley to play like a cougar that also works at the store as an employee and I thought wow that's pretty amazing <laughs> you know like you're going to pass oh for a better God. person to play that you know right and uh, yeah I, I liked I, I didn't mind I didn't mind working at that store you know I still got uh, that's wild um, I, yeah, for some I just reason had to bring the industry being good to me and scumbag you know like we we got a uh, nice quote from Brazentine which is like a sex site saying that I'm the 
the voice of Generation X and stuff, and we put it on the uh, we put it on our trailer. And one day, my producer is like, "Brazantine, you're showing this at uh, uh, Tier One Film Festival in Rotterdam, he's Hungarian. Uh, what is Brazantine? Uh-huh. I'm like, it's a porn site. <laughs> like, and that's what's going on to all everybody that's going to Rotterdam. They're, they're getting these quotes from porn sites, but nobody questioned it. I guess they didn't know what it was, you know. But I, I'm like, sure. well, if they're good to me, I'm good to them, and you know, I have no no problem. You know, people are people. I, I well, did cool. get to meet Thanks Larry Flint one day. And I, I really thought he was going to yeah. be this super talkative guy, but um, like 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 the movie. But um, no, he was pretty. Uh, he's pretty kind of quiet, you know, and, and had a golden wheelchair, and, you know. Just seemed kind of like a businessman. I have nothing bad to say, but he wasn't Mister Talkative right. or anything like that either. I guess he's a that's, lot older that's very too. Cool. So. Well, yeah. right, and of course, obviously, his life has been quite interesting because I've seen the movie and I was like, "Oh my god!" But how many? Be- I mean, seriously, dude, this is like iconic. You worked for Hustler magazine. I've never interviewed anybody who worked for any kind of store like that. So I'm like, that's really kind of cool. We have to talk about that. So kudos on that. I think that's kind of. <laughs> I kind of think it's bragging right? So I'm like, that's a cool job. Yeah, it was a cool job. And you know, the crazy thing is, like, I got like Ron Jeremy and Scumbag too, just because he happened to walk right. onto my set. But what he doesn't realize is, like, when I worked at the Hustler store, they had a smoothie called Ron Jeremy because they had like a coffee shop there, and he would come in like at least oh once gosh. a week and get this smoothie. <laughs> I think I might have even <laughs> told him one once, but he didn't recognize me. You know? Um, oh, that's wild. Yeah. And now so. here you are in a movie with this. That's that's cool. Totally cool. Well, now that you brought yeah, it up, some we of have my to talk old sex that. shop coworkers actually. Uh, one of them appears in, in uh, Brian Tipton appears in in, uh, in the movie as a creepy oh, sex really? shop uh, customer. So, Ew. I try to God, remember my old friends creepy. and stuff. But but that's cool actually. <laughs> that that leads me right to the quote, which is I thought this quote was so cool, folks. Listen to this. This is what he has had to say, which is when actors join the Mars family, they have gigs for life. I have a dear friend in New York City. You probably even know him. John Gallagher, the director, um, is a dear friend of mine, and he is synonymous for literally casting some of the same people over and over and over again because he has such great relationships with them. So um, you are basically an actor's director, if I'm getting that right, based on that statement. That's awesome. Um, what makes Act, you more, more of a director, people? writer, editor than an actor. Oh, okay. I, I, I put myself as an extra in my films, kind of hidden, kind of like, find, where's Waldo? Find him, you'll win a prize kind of thing. But <laughs> I don't put myself okay. in any like major, major parts. Yeah. Right. Okay. But going with, with like what you're idea. saying, uh, that's really cool about John. And, and yeah, I feel the same because I spent too many... I, 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 jumping ahead, like there was one point where we said, hey, I went from DJ, I went from film school to DJ. Well, th- there's some truth where I did spend a couple years, maybe about five years working in the industry before I became a full-time DJ. And, and, and in that time, I did everything from first AD on music videos to, to like uh, PA uh, on commercials and a lot of jobs. And, and one of the things I found on especially the low-end jobs is when, in Canada anyways, when, when guys would go and they would everybody would work for minimum wage, very low money or less than, and we would work on these projects. And then the director would get famous and or the cameraman would get famous and win awards from it. And then they'd move to better crews and like forget everybody, you know, and, and, and right. like turn their backs on everybody that helped them. And that always stayed with me. And I, I never ever wanted to be that guy. So, you know, uh, uh, 
I, I, I'm going to do my best to keep working with the people and, and I, I want to have that relationship with my actors that they can come to me as that guy that can maybe protect them from the other filmmakers and the other, like let them know straight up, you know, like what's happening because like people are people and there's so many, uh, I guess, slime bags, especially in Los Angeles, you know, and <laughs> you sell your soul to work on something completely garbage, right. you know, and um, I don't really see that stuff. I'm not doing this to get rich or get laid or, or, or to be a power monster. Right. Um, I do it because I don't know what else to do. Like this uh, famous um, uh, club singer named Kevin Aviance, he's a famous dancer, he used to work in the house music scene in New York with Junior Vasquez. He once said... Um, if he didn't do what he was doing, he'd probably be locked in a mental institution for being crazy. Well, I feel like my stories are so crazy that that unless I make it into a movie, like nobody believes me. And it's, it gets annoying when you're talking to people and you know they're not listening because they don't believe what you're saying actually right. happened. And it's like all my movies are 100% true. All this really happened, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry if I had a restricted life, you know. Um, um, but, like, I lived that life. So, um yeah, I, I, I really want to, I, I feel for my actors, even even the ones that I don't get along with all the time, that it's like, hey, if you're in this, you know, we're friends, you know, I got to, I look back, right. some of my best friends in life, this girl named Helen Prancic from, from Toronto, I realized, wait, I met her because I needed a girl with long black hair in a movie, you know, we became friends, so it's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's important to me, so, and, 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 and working on spec and, 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 being able to get a good word from people later is very important to me. I'm not into just do a couple things and get rich overnight and like have a lot of energy. Sure. I want to kind of do this for the long haul, develop hopefully like a kind of cult following because it's my ideas. And if you're going to see a Mars film, you're going to get this Mars wacky world, you know, and, and if, if people like it, then they like it. And if they don't like it, well, then I don't, I'm not mad at you. Maybe it's a better part of my life I wasn't too happy with, you know. So maybe you're no, normal. No, no, you no. Know? I, totally I, don't, I don't know, you know. I'm not mad. I was totally um, mad. So, I do. And, yeah. and what's neat about and like I said, I, I like the concept of we both work in, in fields, and I see this a lot in film. I see it with um, musicians especially. There's so much competition at times that, it all becomes about who's doing the best, who's winning the best accolade or the the largest numbers of accolades, I should say. And it becomes all very competitive. So instead of supporting one another, I find that there's a lot of competition out there. So I'm always refreshed when I see people that have other people's back. And I do the same thing. And Most of the time, people that come on my show are always working with me in some form or another. I put 15 of the musicians from this show into my film. So I think it's important that we kind of promote one another if you're really going to make it out there in this very large world because we're in a very competitive field. Um, I want to sidetrack a little bit because you brought it up before. Um, obviously, I'm of the firm belief that what makes a person a great entertainer or what makes them better at what they do or their passion is that they have a great support system. So if you don't mind, of course, we should talk about your fiancé because I've looked at her and Deborah. Oh, my God. She's striking. That's the only word I could come up with. Not so much. She's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but that's the first word when you you know how you just look at someone. That's that's the first reflection I thought is she's very striking. She's very um, Gina Harlowish, if that makes sense to you. That's just the first yeah, word that came to my mind. She, she'd like to hear that. Yeah. Very honest. So her, her, her actual idol is Audrey Hepburn. She's, her oh my idol god! Is we would get along so well. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, and she she's is very, very old school. Classy. You know, like she has her. She's, you know, there's tre- there are trendy people that are like, hey, I'm a rockabilly or I'm this and that. Like she actually <laughs> right. she's into like her her Audrey Hepburn era stuff, and she's like, when we were in right. we, when we went to Rotterdam, we took a detour to Audrey Hepburn's like. Um, house she grew up at which was like a castle way out on, uh, in in like outside of Rotterdam and in Holland and okay yeah she's 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 great if it wasn't for her I probably wouldn't have made it to this point you know to be able to do all this you know like um sure. and she's talented like that's the one thing like I didn't I didn't say hey I'm going to put my fiance in a movie, you know, and give her a good part. She was acting and struggling and acting around the time I was going through a divorce and when I met her and, and I was writing a script and I'm like, you know what, you, I see what your potential and what you can do. And, and you're going to, you're going to do this and you got to do a good because people are going to be watching you because, because you're, you're going to become like, we're going to get married one day. So you're going to have to do it really good. I might be harder <laughs> on you. And, 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 and it worked out, you know, she did great. Everybody that I picked did a great job. And most of the people, a lot of, I'd say about half the people weren't even real actors, you know, they're like my main, my main, my main character is Princess Frank and he's a musician. And I felt like he lived my right. old life and would know how to play it. And he just had to basically play himself and he did it perfectly. You know, I'm not asking him to go out and play Robert De Niro or whatever. I'm asking him to play himself and he did it great, you know, um, and Deborah did a great job too. And they actually, uh, like one day I'll be like, I need you guys to write a song and come up with a whole like grease dance number and we're going to film it next week and you need to record the song. And they're like, what? And, and they did it. They made it happen, you know. And, and like, like, like that was the kind of magic I needed to with by working with the cast and crew that I, I I did. I was really happy with everybody in the end. And we're actually they're all up for best ensemble narrative feature at the Queen's World Film Festival. I'm up for right. best director there. And 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 mm-hmm. the funny thing is, was we're competing against uh, Macaulay Culkin's latest film called Aladdin Green, uh, Adam Green's really? Aladdin. And and what's weird okay. with that is there was a movie called Party Monster that came out in the early 2000s, and and it was about you know a club kid that went to jail for murder and and you know it's a long story you can look it up but the guy that went to jail his name was Michael Allig and the 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 minute he came out of jail I put him in this movie uh, as the first acting movie he's done uh, mainly because uh, one of my friends was Kiyoki, he used to date him, and Kiyoki was in my film, and he's, they were in the same room. Mm-hmm. He's like, can you put him in? I'm like, okay. So so Macaulay Culkin played Michael Alec in Party Monster, and now Michael Alec, who's in Scumbag, is competing against Macaulay Culkin at the Queen's World Film Festival tomorrow oh, wow. uh, for oh, best uh, best ensemble narrative feature and and the award ceremony actually happens at the Astor Room in Astoria Queens on Sunday night mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock so mm-hmm. it's just crazy if if he did the fact that he's competing against the guy he didn't meet because he was in jail while this guy famous actor played him now he's competing against him as an actor so it's just wacky how it's a small world, world works, oh know? my god small world look at that my goodness now because you're so busy are you going to have time to actually get married I was just wondering because I'm like this guy is so busy I'm wondering are they, oh man are they I was on the phone today with the, it's funny I was on the phone today and, and this will be the first time uh, anybody uh, of the cast is going to hear about this 
you know, this is the uh, first news here, is we're on the negotiating table right now with Troma Entertainment, uh, you know, now okay. that the Toxic Avenger and, like, you know, the guys from mm-hmm. South Park started there with Cannibal, the musical and that. They want the film, you know, we're going back and forth. And, and all I could think is, like, as all this, like, distribution and stuff and, and mm-hmm. film festivals come up, that the wedding date keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed because oh, it's like, no. oh, we need money to go and get insurance, or I need money here's, to mm-hmm. pay for this lawyer. Mm-hmm. Okay? But it, it also helps right. that she's in the film and has been around this journey this whole time, so she she understands. Okay. And we, we I'm just glad we didn't oh, cool. set the exact date yet, but I have a hunch at this point. Right. It was going to be November. It's probably going to be next year uh, at this point. Uh, yeah. Oh, but, Deborah, uh, I feel for you. Is she going to be okay <laughs> with that? I mean, I know she gets you, you, she's you know a chick, you know what I mean? Fun. Yeah, no, uh, and her family's in the film, too, her parents, you know, and they were actually got written oh. up about in their local Kansas newspaper, Elmsworth, uh, Elmsworth uh-huh. newspaper. So everybody's happy okay. and they're supportive of this, and I just kind of want to get this nice. uh, happening uh, and out now so that – that we can do this and yeah i'm not going to start shooting the next film until the wedding happens you know and and um, oh good <laughs> yeah and i keep I'm joking around saying i guess our honeymoon is all these film festivals we're going to because we're we're in five right now but i'm waiting on a total of 30 so it's like we could be everywhere oh, in the world you know like waiting this week to hear from one in athens greece south korea and it's funny too when we get wow. in film festivals first thing i think is hey is there a war going on there right now <laughs> oh my what's god happen, you know uh are we safe on this plane i don't know you know it's like one of the it's a crazy time to be traveling around the world back um but no, it uh, is. It's, it's exciting too somewhat yeah. dangerous yeah, oh, yeah. I get it totally. So well, if anybody wants you. to go represent want... us at the Saudi Arabia Film Festival, you know, I'll, I'll give you a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> just feel free to give Mars a call and be like, dude, I'd be, I mean, I have yeah, no give problem me a call, with that. You know, I'll send you there. That's but, cool. Uh, I think that that's awesome. It's exciting, yeah, you know, all that stuff going on. But you need that grounding, though, and, and that's nice that you have somebody who compliments you so well, not only on a personal side of things, but professionally as well. And I think that that's really key, and that's awesome. And congratulations to both of you. I mean, you know, uh, now, Thank you very much. Whatever that wedding is. Oh, of course, without a doubt. Um, I want to talk about um, The Little House That Could, obviously. That was a documentary that you're referring to. You were the producer and the director back in 2013, and this um, – Surrounds uh, Sex and the City stylist, which is Patricia Field. First of all, I'm a huge Sex and the City fan because I keep thinking I'm going to find Mr. Big, my Mr. Big, one day. Fantasizing. I've also get called the. I have been called the Carrie Bradshaw of Wisconsin, and I'm moving to New York eventually. So I'm like, oh my god, when I saw him, like this dude did Sex and the City. So first of all, we have to talk about what Patricia's like because that's got to be awesome. I've seen her picture, never met her, and what uh, of all things you could do a documentary on. Patricia Fields. So I, I'm intrigued. Why? Tell me the who, what, when, and well, why. Yeah, I worked at that store for ten years. You know, I and it what I didn't even know about it to be quite honest. I just I needed a job. Uh, it was like the same kind of deal. Uh, how I, t- I was like teleporting to a place and then one and screaming help, and wondering how you're going to survive. Like I went to New York with hundred and fifty dollars right. and no plan, nowhere to live. I was homeless. You know, for like a couple of days, but I had a place. I, I stayed with the promoter. Um, mm-hmm. So, so thing was, I got. I walked into. I had this. I had a bunch of bogus resumes that I made up, just pretending that I worked in stores in Toronto. And I walked into the <laughs> store, uh, Patricia Field, and I had made friends through my sister Patty Powers, who's also in the film Scumbag. Yeah. 
uh, with a guy, a DJ named Larry T. Uh, Larry T. wrote Supermodel for RuPaul and started the whole electro clash comp- uh, genre. A- anyway, big DJ, okay. producer kind of guy. And, and, and so when I walked into that store, I said to some really kind of nasty queen, um, uh, is the manager here? And he goes, why? <laughs> I said, because I'm looking, because you're looking for a job. She's over there. And then there's like this tough, like rocker girl rolling her eyes. And and, and then Larry T, who's in the store, he runs up and he goes, you should hire him. He's a friend of mine. You should hire him. And they looked at him and they said, well, any friend of yours is definitely not going to work here. <laughs> and then I said, I don't know him that well. You know, like it was funny. Like I didn't know, I didn't know what the inside jokes were or what. And then I went upstairs and this, this guy named Thomas said, you want a job? Go to the hotel. Go to the hotel. Meet this guy at the hotel. And I thought, man, it's come down to this. I got to meet a guy in a hotel to get a job in a clothing <laughs> shop. <laughs> but I thought, I'm going to go That's check it out and see what this is, and I'll just sign something, whatever. And and what I didn't realize is they had another store called Hotel Venus, which was in Soho. So I went there, okay. and there was this kind of Transylvanian-looking kind of woman uh, named Mary, and she uh, just had me scream, like, in her Israeli accent, gorgeous, at everybody and throw quotes on them. And, like, I did everything she did. And and I remember, like, I was so, like, <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm the most, like, um, non-homophobic person out there, especially from working at Patricia Field for so long. But I remember, like, this, like, little... Japanese girl coming up to me going, you better work, Mara, you better work, because I was really good at selling from all my telemarketing experience, and I said, look, man, mm-hmm. I'm the only person working here, what are you talking about, you know, I got mad, I'm like, what are you, <laughs> I didn't even understand the lingo, you know, you better work, I'm right. like, I am, I am working, man, um, so, so anyways, I ended up being like their token straight guy for like, 10 years, you know, and, and, and what that okay. meant was I had to go to voguing balls in Harlem and walk runways, you know, against transsexuals and stuff to represent the House of Fields, and it was kind of like a, it's kind of like a gay punk gang she she ran, you know, and and Pat, Pat's a tough cookie, you know, like she's not like, sure. we're, we're getting along now, but like I was on the phone with her just the other day, and I still kind of, I get nervous, because she's like, a, she's a tough, really? very hard, old school New Yorker lesbian, you know, like, but she's cool, right. she's definitely cool. And she uh, she doesn't put up with any like phony BS, and she's uh, she's very real, and uh, she's a workaholic, you know. And um, yeah, I love her. She's 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 great. And and she, the funny thing is, she's actually going to be um, presenting um, Scumbag at the North American premiere at uh, Queens World Film Festival, which happens at the Museum of Moving Image. Uh, she's going to introduce the film and then run the Q&A afterwards. And it's so great because she was the subject of Scumbag. And going, I mean, sorry, she was the subject of the little no, house okay. I could in my documentary. <laughs> right. and, 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 and looking back uh, to your question, why make the film? Well, when I worked at that store for so long, all I did was hear about all the stories about how like Keith Haring and Basquiat started in that store. You know, they started, they were the first place to sell their stuff on clothes. And, and then like hearing about like how she would let all, all, every big fashion designer from Galliano to, to Mark Jacobs and that all had something to do with that store at one time. And so the store was really the, the, the beginning for a lot of famous musicians, musicians, sure. like Klaus Nomi, you know, Deborah Harry and to, to like, Ooh. um, 
artists to like uh, all the big fashion, uh, anybody in fashion has gone through through that store at some point, like working there or help working with Pat or, or what she would throw a party right. like every week too in her house. <laughs> so, so um, I said, did anybody like ever do anything about this? And apparently there was a book <laughs> getting made, but it's been getting made for like 40 years. It's never finished. So I'm like, right. we got to do something on this. And, and really how it happened was Pat was hosting a party somewhere. She heard because of my little um, rise New York City like background things that I do, the manager already told her, Mars should get paid to like put together a compilation of video stuff that will play. And I'm like, all right, I'll do that. And then when we were there watching all this old VHS footage playing on some screen at this club called Element, which is like the bank nightclub, she was hosting a party. Uh, Paul Alexander from the band The Ones, they had this famous song called Flawless a while back, Dancy House track. Um, him okay. and, and Sushi Sakai, one of the original club kids, who also managed Patricia Field, said, Mars, you got to make the movie on on the house of field you have to make the movie and everybody's saying that and i thought well all right i'll do it with this girl that's kind of helping me do stuff and the girl ended up bailing it was her camera she didn't want to do it anymore and i kind of got i felt like i got stuck doing this but i was already starting to film stuff and i'm like the more people i interviewed they would drop like some kind of information that I'm like, Hey, this is like missing links for New York history that I've never even heard about, you know? So mm-hmm. it became like a six, six year project where I just worked with this guy named Bob Lesser, who was a roadie for my band in New York. Uh, it's funny. I met him because I needed a truck. My first concert gig in New York to go from the rehearsal to the place. And I didn't have a truck and the cabs wouldn't take me. And all of a sudden there was a, a little business card on a post that said narcoleptic psychopath with truck. <laughs> oh my God. I called in this guy with a ponytail came while he played like sounds of whales chirping or dying or whatever in the car. I felt like I was in this underwater like truck. And I thought this guy was like some cult dude or whatever, but we ended up becoming friends because everybody that's crazy always becomes my friend in the end. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he also does film stuff, and he had all the film stuff. So he started pushing me, going, "You got to make, you should make this, and I'll bring the gear and stuff, and we'll, we'll shoot it." So that's what we did and together. Like we made this film over six years, and it was really had its first screening to the cast at the end of 2012. And the crazy okay. thing is, after 15 film festivals, it's still running around, and uh, it might be playing at New Filmmakers New York, which is, they have at the Anthology Film Archives in, in New York City oh, yeah. um, every week, actually. So they're, they're talking about possibly playing it in the fall, and it's available on Queer Culture tv which is an australian like gay tv network where i think you can go there and watch it for free and it's also in this uh other free portal out of toronto called mainstream media unplugged if you go to msmu.me you can watch it for free there as well so for a movie that was made with home movie cameras and like those little like clunky tapes that you'd buy at the 7-eleven shop for five bucks that's it's played everywhere it's played everywhere in the world probably twice over and uh it's one the Audience Choice Award in 2015 at New Filmmakers right. Los Angeles. It won the Best um, Film, uh, Best Documentary at uh, the 2016 Philadelphia Independent Film Festival. And I'm excited because we're actually going to be showing Scumbag there uh, 
this year, which is on April 29th at the University of Arts um, Connolly Auditorium. Um, tickets are on sale at philadelphiaindependentfilmfestival.com. So it's like we were just there last year, and we're coming back with a new film this year. And, uh, yeah, so that that's how The Little House That Could happened. And, uh, it's, that, is so, uh, that, that is so cool. That is so yeah, cool. The I still have to watch down. that. The store closed down. It's available online really? at the store, patriciafield.com, but the store closed down, I think, two or three years ago. And uh, after being open for, oh, since, since, I don't know, I can't remember right now, I want to say 40 years. Um, right. And, 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 and so now, when this film plays around, it's like the only thing that kind of gets all the House of Field people together, you know, that House of Field, oh. all the old employees and friends of the store, and, and we dress up and we go okay. and watch it somewhere. So it's become a, taking on its own cult meaning. I love it. That's absolutely awesome. I'm so going to watch that too because it just it was intriguing for the moment that I heard about it. And I'm like, yeah, we should talk about that and check that out. Now, um, questions relative to, of course, obviously we want to talk about Scumbag. First of all, I want to mention this to folks because I just saw you put a note up about this. One of the cool things about Scumbag, among the many others we'll talk about, is you have the movie T-shirts that are available, but it almost sounds like you're out. So before I open my mouth, <laughs> maybe I should just ask the boss. I got ah. out, and I, I got to tell you, like, like, uh, it makes me want to cry because, you know, oh. I'm not racist. I'm not racist. I'm not homophobic. I'm just talking sure. about certain neighborhoods, okay? I get my okay. shirts made in this dangerous area of South Central called Slauson Swap Mall. Like, this is, like, right out of, straight out of Compton. Uh, like, like last, I was there okay. on the weekend. I got shirts made. Before me was, like, the Crip Jug Gang getting their shirts made while everybody oh else was God. getting shirts made about memorials about the recent family member that was killed. And I'm the only white guy within a 15-mile oh radius. I'm not racist. Uh, most people aren't, but there's some kind of there's some there's some roughness that goes on there. And every time I go there, I'm like, man, I got to go back, <laughs> you know, to get more because it's all cash <laughs> deals. You know, it's not like I can order this stuff online. Well, and right. This guy does a really cool. great job. So, looks like I'm gonna have to go back in back in and get some more made soon. But yeah, we were we were out in like 20 okay. minutes. It's weird because they were like blue shirts with red uh, for the guys, and I guess that's like people right. want this. You know, it's like. Um, I have buttons. Anybody ever wants a button, just, you know, you a can button. write me. I'll even probably mail you one, you know. Go to scumbag-movie.com and you can get my contact information or, or, or just Facebook us. Oh, like, uh, oh. you have a Facebook group page and uh, a fan page. And, and yeah, you know, I'll, I'll send you some or you can come up and, 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 and tap me on the shoulder at any film festival and I'll hand <laughs> you some. Otherwise, uh, yeah, there'll probably be a... Gotcha. Yeah, they'll be they'll be available. Maybe on the shirts will probably be available again on the website or on our Facebook page. So it looks like I'll have to make okay. more. I, yeah. I just didn't want to say something because I thought to myself, yeah, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, yeah, he's probably got nothing here. But sometimes you want to throw something out there to promote, and sometimes you just don't have it. So I get it. Now, I am a writer myself, and I've written all sorts of things, including screenplays. And I'm looking at this, and I found congratulations. This I saw that. That looks awesome. Oh, well, it, you know, it's like exciting, but it's not. See, 
I'm on the other side of the spectrum because because when you're a professional author by trade, so you I write all sorts of other things to get paid, and I do radio, and I do all these other things. And by the way, I'll probably need a button because my guess is you're so busy that you cannot attend or submit to my festival because my festival is in June in New York City. I was listening to all this, and I'm thinking, hmm, I probably shouldn't mention my festival because he's going to be too busy for all of that anyway. Um, I can submit to your festival for sure. You could submit to my festival, but we'll get to that. But um, yeah. I'm bummed because I'm missing the director component of things. Like, I write these really great screenplays, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then I even find the cast, and I have the music in there. And then it's like, oh, yeah, now you have to direct, Cindy. Uh, no, I don't. Cindy doesn't have time to direct. So that's the problem is I have four <laughs> films now that I should do. And I'd love to work with John Gallagher. I would love to have Gallagher do my film, but neither one of us have any time. See, so that's the hard part about being the author who does the screenplay. I'm like, yay for, yay. I wrote that. Yay. No one's seeing it. So I'm kind of like, it's a bummer. So I live through people like you. That's why I interview actors and directors all the time because I'm like, I'm sure the hell not doing anything about it right now. I, I mean, I might in the next year, I hope, if I'd stop doing my show and calendars and film festivals and all that stuff. But as a writer, this is a good question to ask you. Apparently, it took you over 20 years to write this. And I'm like, 20? I'm like, the longest I've had has been like five. I'm like, okay, I put it away on the shelf. And I'm like, 20 years? That's a long time. It's a long time. Well, you got, you got to remember, too, it wasn't like, hey, every every night I'm going to write a sentence till I have 20,000 right. pages. It was more It was sure. more like uh, I'm going to wake up on the bar stool and wonder, hey, what country am I in? How did this happen? How many years passed? You know? <laughs> like, that was, that was part of it. That was a lot of, like, where the time went, you know? Um, Waking I up gotcha. in New York, you know, and going, whoa, I'm in America? <laughs> what happened to my DJ gig? Where's my roommate? You know, I called my roommate, right. Alex. I'm like, hey, uh, did, I, did I kill myself? Because I'm meeting all these famous people I always wanted to meet. And he's like, no, you owe me rent. Where are you coming? Got to go. <laughs> you know? But, but uh, you know, um, oh, that yeah, so that was a that. lot. So, but nowadays when I get okay. focused, like in reality, once I once I said, okay, I have all this, I got to do this. It probably took me about maybe four or five months, you know, to really hammer it oh, out. Okay. Everything afterwards, okay. I, you know, fun. but it was like an idea that was kicking around. It started like 20 years ago and I kept thinking, I got to live more of it. I got to live more of it, live more of it. And then I almost forgot I was doing it. And then I had to remember, you know, and, and that's how I did it. You know, <laughs> right. I'm like 16 years sober. So it's like, I was able to one day, it, like Nick Zed said to me, you have a photographic memory. And I, I really did at that time. Like one day I woke up and I, I just got, I got to write this. And because uh, I can remember everything that happened in my life on a two-week period at, in 1995, so that's what I did, mm-hmm. and I wrote and I wrote, and it was actually uh, it was it was like screen feature length, and 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 I I had the inclination. I I know if I would have waited to go home every night to write, I probably wouldn't get it done. So I found this phone app called Screenplay, and I just started writing it uh, through through like text messages in my phone. Like I wrote the whole thing on my phone. Uh, sometimes. Mm-hmm. At the in the restroom or waiting for a bus or whatever, and and that's how I that's how I wrote the script, and then I just transferred it in the final draft because it's connected to final draft. It's like a five dollar mm-hmm. phone app called Screenplay, and that's how I was able to do it. 
you know, I'll probably do the next one the same way. And as far as, like, uh, sitting on it, I think, like, going through divorce and being kind of angry and not knowing what I'm going to do and not being right. able to sit still, that's when I said, okay, i got to do this. I gotta, oh, right. I'm tired of talking about making films and stuff, so now it's the time. I know. And, and then I did an Indiegogo campaign. I asked for a hundred grand. I raised thirty nine hundred, like three thousand nine hundred, and it was that kind of campaign where you get to keep all the money. And at that point, I didn't want to have to go back to old relatives and old friends and say, uh, "I got to give you right. your money back." It's, it's kind of like, okay, look, right. I'm going to find a way to do this now with this, you know, somehow. Let's. Uh, we can't be union, but we're gonna we're gonna do our best. And, and who's in? And and enough people were in that we were able to. To, to do it and, to do it and, and that's that's how it happened once I got the money I'm like okay I'm art and I shot one day I'm like I'm in this now uh, I can't turn back but if I would have not shot that first day or took the people's money I probably would have still been sitting thinking when's going to be the perfect time to make this <laughs> you know so that's that's <laughs> no, how I, I did it I was show. like damn I'm yeah now I'm making this film I, ha- I have to make it now Damn, you know, like I remember one point when this is not a joke, this is really happening. You know, I thought I was just I thought I was just gonna talk about it, you know? And then once we started shooting, I'm like, Now I got people involved and people's money involved, I have to do this, you know, out of guilt. <laughs> uh, well so. no, I totally understand what you're talking about. Good, this is a good push for me because obviously people push me all the time. Oh my god. And some of my dear friends are the people that are gonna be in these movies. So I have a heart for actors because I'm like, Yeah, I know and I understand that they rely upon this. And so then I feel guilty because I'm like, Oh, I should be shooting this and I'm not so this is a nice little push for me. Thanks for adding more stuff to my resume. Yeah, you'll do it. Uh, your experience is sure it's going <laughs> to yeah, be something people when. are going to love. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, I think my writing is better than my directing would be, so I'm totally not a director. And let's face it, I'm just not an actress. I tried to act once, and I got very drunk, and I made a fool of myself. The scene was doing tequila shots, actually. So it was like, great, and it was real tequila, and it was like, that didn't work. So no acting for Cindy. She better stick to her day job, of course, which is the writing. Now, because I know that you are the following, you're obviously, you wrote, you produced, you directed, and obviously you have a small part in this, so you're, you're the big wave when it comes to this movie. Now, to those that are listening in that are indie filmmakers themselves or people that are actually doing film, explain to us the concept behind how you managed to get 200 plus cast members into this movie, because I'm thinking, that's a whole lot of people, so either he has a lot of people that he owes favors to, or vice versa, or he's really rich, or um, you kidnap them, because I'm thinking, that's a lot, that's a lot for an indie film, to me, anyway. Doesn't well, that seem well, like a it, lot It's kind of funny, because um, I do owe a lot of people a lot of things, and I'm not rich, you know, oh, Scarborough. Oh, you're not. <laughs> Which is kind no. of, that's the area of, of Toronto that Drake sings about being afraid, uh, having enemies. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but. Um, basically, uh, I owe a lot of people favors and it's not like I sat down and said, there are 200 roles. Um, I shot a scene a month and sometimes I was adding scenes as I went and adding people as I went that one day I Ah. left, I'm like, we have a hundred people. And I'm like, actually we have 200. Holy cow. You know? Um, so I owe a lot of people favors and I actually did try the kidnapping thing. (laughs) Believe it or not, I tried the kidnapping thing. I had kidnapped Peter Murphy to be in this movie and, uh, I shot him in my house and he, I can't really go into the full detail, but, uh, He, he needed some time to decide if he was going to sign a release for him. And then later on, he decided against it. But, like, 
I went from a guy saying he didn't really want to do this, he's not sure, he's not sure, to me going to his house, putting him in the car, bringing him to my house and filming him, you know, which might end up being an art project for a, an art show I do later. I can't get sued for oh art, my God. I don't think. Um, but, um, yeah, I tried that with him, and I tried that with Angeline from, you know, Angeline, the famous billboard person, you know, I was really trying hard to put her in the film, and... I didn't get to kidnap her, but it was close. And, uh-huh. and Pee Wee Herman and uh, Jerry Mathers okay. from Leave it to Beaver as well. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Doing everything I can. Moby was supposed to be in it, and uh, I, I was really close to kidnapping him, too. I was even at his house, but um, that didn't happen. Uh, and he won't talk to me anymore because I'm pretty assertive. Oh. Like, I, I don't ask people to be in my films. I tell them, you know. And I remember kind of oh, more or less okay. telling Ringo Starr he was going to be in my film on a street corner. And he got mad at me, and oh. we started screaming at each other on a street corner, you know. Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm like, dude, man, I've seen Caveman. I'm going to be helping your career. You know, like, I, I don't know. I get mad because it's kind of like, I'm like, this film is going to be great. And, and you're going right. to, you, you're, you're really stupid if you don't do this film. So like, the, I'm, you're either with me or you're against me, you know, and I, I become kind of a freak, I guess, like that with, with my film. Kind of and, and, but my, my <laughs> cast will say, my cast will say, you're very passionate and I'm doing more for them than most of the other directors because we're playing everywhere in the world. They're up for awards. They're we're right. Written up about thirty-five things in like our first screening, and because I'm very, I'm very bushy. Like when it comes to film stuff, I'm like, okay, this is my idea. It has to happen, so you're gonna do this. Right. I'm not gonna ask you. It's not like I'm asking you. Yeah. You know? oh, and then boy. I have like some people say so, but it works. You know, I don't do it in a mean way. It's not like I'm, I'm no, hurting I, anybody I or whatever. You. But I guess I'm very like, I talk in a in a form of like it's happening, and that that either works for people or it doesn't. And you know, it's a quick sure. way to weed out friends and stuff. But I'm like, I still <laughs> stand strong on what I meant. You know, I think it would have helped Ringo Starr if he would have done this. You know, oh instead that I got, instead he was replaced by somebody much cooler, um, Keith Morris from the Circle Jerk. So you know, that's that's, that's how life is. You know, and and and. You know, and then like these musicians that were big, like like D. H. Pelegro from the Dead Kennedys and stuff. Like when they do my film, it's like I, I'm going to go out of my way to really push their bands in any way I can. You know, like uh, I don't have a problem saying I don't really uh, T. Murphy. Nah, but you want a real rock star? Get Keith Morris. That guy's cool. You know, <laughs> like definitely. You know, or 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 Kishango Powers or whatever. Like like it's it it means. Uh, it means something to me to know that, hey, people are who you think they are or they're not. You know, unfortunately, in this right. world, most of these stars aren't who you think they are. But every now and then you'll find somebody like Genesis Peoridge from Psychic TV and you go, he's as magical as I thought he would have been. You know, like this, this is not this is a true artist and, and I respect him, you know, so. You know, yeah, I'm exactly trying to make new fantastical about. movies, and I need fantastical people. And then I have I like unknowns, that. you know, that I, I just pick. Like like one unknown was a, a Brennan Keel Cook. You know, he plays this character, a junkie Newfound Newfie, a kid from Newfoundland uh, in Canada, that uh, you know has a has a has a wife that's become a lesbian. He's he's depressed, you know, and 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 he did a great job, you know. Um, 
and then sure enough, mm-hmm. like next day he's on the grinder on TV with Rob Lowe and he's about to play the uh, the lead, uh, the main boyfriend of the lead character from Game of Thrones uh, on some new TV show. So it's like I found them first, you know, but I'm going to have a hard time like not being able to go back and saying, you don't understand, they're my actors and these are these people work for me for life now. <laughs> but I'm sure my actors oh my would, would, would probably fight on that because most of them haven't been paid. So, but uh, yeah, that's just how I feel. <laughs> Like I'm, it's like I'll, I'll make their action figure first. If you like them so much, you make oh them action gosh. figure. <laughs> and I noticed that you did this awesome movie, and all I was thinking was, I was listening to your description and talking about these people that you admire, etc. And there's an actor that I admire that I've been trying to get on my show forever. And I'm always, I'm always talking to directors, and some of them that I know have cast them. So I was going to give you a good ribbing and say, you know, Mars, you did not cast the one guy that's like on my top five actors of all time. And he is a because actually, <laughs> do you know who Michael Madsen is? I don't, but probably would know. Oh him my about gosh! Or something. I what, was just going to say, Reservoir. Yeah, remember I'm the filmmaker that doesn't watch movies. So. Oh yeah, that's right. Or Free Willy. Do you remember uh, Donnie Brasco, Selma and Louise? I mean, he's everywhere. Yeah. He's, in he's done like 250 like movies. And, Louise and Donnie. Brasco. And he's a badass. I, I mean, have, he is. A, he, I'd have to go back. He's a watch. legitimate. Or when you get off this interview, Google him. You'll know exactly who he is when you look at him. And he's on my top five list. So I'm constantly um, kind of telling people. I'm kind of like you are with that personality. Like, I've already put it in my head, even though it's been a year and a half. I'm like, I'm going to get this interview. Even though I keep going into a dead end, it's I'm going to get this interview. I know I am. I know I am. He's like on my top five. So I'm constantly always saying to people, like, I know when I ask you, you're going to tell me that even though you haven't cast him, you probably know him. You have his cell phone number, right? Because then you'll just give it to me and I'll get an interview. So yeah, I, I, I would if I had it, I would, but I don't, unfortunately. Oh. You know, and that, that's yeah, the kind of guy that if I, if I met at a party and he said, hey, I was in Thelma Louise and stuff, like, I like I like films like that. Like, I, I totally, I know, we, we right? could talk you about doing them. stuff, you know? Exactly. Exactly. But I'll, I'll tell you, you like, I, I, I don't really do the party house thing, the house people's parties so much in LA because I, I kept finding ah. <laughs> oh man I kept finding like I go to these things and people are like this is the filmmaker and, and next thing like uh, everybody's an actor out here and they're, they're you know they're, <laughs> right. well how can I help them you know so actually going right. out of my way to get these business cards made because I hate being in that situation that says Mars Hatred Master of Voodoo and it's just going to be a black business card with black writing because you know like <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty oh anti-social to begin with, so it's like you know, like uh, although I could piss off somebody that actually practices voodoo, and I could be in some war with somebody in Africa right. and have like pains in my back because of it. But it's one of those chances I have to take. <laughs> of course, no, that makes perfect sense. Obviously, well, I'm glad that you don't know Michael Manson either. This is killing me. But I will tell you this much: when I track him down and I finally interview, I'm going to say, "I got all these directors, and you'll be on that list." Or I'll say, "You know what? You need to work with this guy." I'm just going to tell yeah, you. Send him my way. Of course, yeah, for sure. He won't listen to me, but that's okay. No, I, I want to know. Obviously, because you've cast all these people, tell me the most, uh, the the easiest person to work with, and most importantly, who is the most exciting to work with? Because a lot of those must have been a thrill to have around. Um, it's it. I can't really do the favoritism thing because everybody did such a great job that was involved, cast yeah. and crew wise. You know, that's, awesome. that's not me blowing sunshine. I, I, I'm being serious. Like there were so many people put it this way. I had one actor that came out on set. 
shot two-thirds of the movie and then got mad at me because I wouldn't give him food because he walked off the set early that day. Same guy mm-hmm. admitted that he was planning to blackmail me, but that he never signed a release for him because he was going to take half the money afterwards. And, and, and like I had to go back and I recast him and shoot two-thirds of the movie. So after that, even the person that might have told me to F off to my face but kept coming to set – they're like my best friend. <laughs> oh my God! Anybody that really? made this film happen, uh, I, 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 I'm indebted to. You know, um, okay. if I were to say absolute easiest, you know, everybody did a good job. Everybody, everybody did a great job. I will put I'll put an extra shout out to um, Scott Myers. He, he one of these actors out there that uh, this guy to me is is my next De Niro. Like he, he's like, he's an amazing actor and I got him last second and he showed up and he did such a killer thing. Uh, you know, there were so many people, you know, there were Ryan Beard. Uh, so, so many actors that, that came out. I feel bad. I can't name drop everybody. Deborah did a great job. Oh, that's just okay. Frank, the unknown guy that like we, we were kind of worried. I'm like, yeah, he looks the part, but he has the main role in a movie with 200 people. Can he pull it off? And he actually could pull right. it off. And he's been getting other roles since then. Oh, you nice. know, and he does these concerts awesome. and he says, Mars said I was an actor, so now I'm getting acting roles. He said, just be yourself, you know, and, and it worked, you know. And I like working with people that improvise a bit too because, you know, um, to me, uh, I, I wrote the script, so I'm not that. If you feel like you, this is you talk a different way, I'm not going to tell you to repeat your line. You know, it will, as long sure. as the story stays right. I like I like actors to bring a bit of themselves into it, and uh, you know, I keep raving about Keith Morris because I didn't know him mm-hmm. at all, and he I wrote him on Facebook. He showed up the next day. He acted on spec. And he did a great. He showed up and he said, "There's a script." He didn't even read the script, so we let him improvise, and he did an amazing job. And he's been cool ever since. So, like people like that, you know. Then I got like Kitango Powers flying from Washington to come out and shoot a scene with Don Don Bowles, you know. Uh, I don't know. There were so many people that did a great job, you know. Um, I bet my, my my producers, my cast, you know, um, everybody was there, you know. So. Thomas Berini, my producer, along with Eric Ragan, my producer, uh, Savan Najarian is probably the uh, the uh, crew member of the year award goes to him. He saved me a lot. Uh, this guy this guy started doing uh, D D I T, which is like all the digital ingestion ingestion, and by the end mm-hmm. he, he achieved the associate producer credit because he he went out and he bought cool. a camera and he he became a second cameraman, and then like he did all uh, like visual effects supervision and everything. So like people like that that actually came out and put in that extra time, like I, I I've noticed, and uh, I'm gonna make it up to them like somehow either on the future project or on this one or what like that's the goal like uh, we had such a big group of people to work with so if I can work with my favorites or whatever not even my favorites but a smaller group of like the ones that really put in that time I'm all for it you know people prove themselves on this so and I think that's why they're the best uh, ensemble you know um 
Yeah. Oh, and Camille Waldorf, too, a very talented actress. She flew uh, with us uh, to Rotterdam, you know, and she has a great song in the movie. And I did two music videos, that uh, one for Anesh from KMFDM and one for uh, Camille Waldorf, and it features footage from the movie that you can you can see on our website, scumbag-movie.com. Oh, cool. Very talented mm-hmm. and very supportive, and, and it's people like that, you know, that go the extra mile that I, I want to, uh, I want to see uh, again uh, do well. And Inesh, by the way, is uh, presenting our film in, in Germany, uh, our German premiere, which is on April third, at a film festival called Too Drunk to Watch, <laughs> Berlin Punk Film Festival. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Too drunk yeah, to watch. I can, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully so they'll at least be not too drunk to show up. Uh, and well, yeah, that's exactly there, right. Hey, but <laughs> I don't diss on that sometimes because you know what? I've actually watched a movie Intoxicated, not what I'm judging, by the way, because I do judge. But, you know, you, you turn on a film because you're like, oh, I'm half in the bag and I can't fall asleep. I'm sure I remember those days. And kudos to you, by the way. Huge congratulations. As much shit as I talk all the time about how people think that I drink wine seven days a week. I don't, but I get a lot of crap for that all the time. But I, I'm a huge, huge supporter of people who have given up their addictions or have walked away from things. So you should have a huge pat on your back. Um, uh, people are proud of you for that accomplishment. That's a big deal. But um, if you ever remember those days and you sit down, you're half in the bag and you watch a movie, sometimes you have a better appreciation for things when you're a little influenced. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I go to see Rocky Horror and you, you can bet your butt I'm not sober or other things for that matter. Because I think you just look at things differently. You know what I mean? That's the kind of movie that I almost feel like you need to be inebriated with either extreme happiness <laughs> or booze or whatever. You know what I'm trying to say, right? You know what I mean? There's just yeah. those movies where well, it, you just it need to be in an state. for sure. Right. It has that Definitely. following. And I won't know. lie, like like that movie was from that time period. So people from right. living that life are going to get this movie, you know, and, and people exactly. that aren't living at this life are going to look at it as a comedy, you know, at the same time, because they could say, well, that is kind of crazy, you know, exactly. and then I'll have the same I'll have the same person on the other end of the spectrum go, what do you mean crazy? I live that every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's a drama, <laughs> you know. Oh, my God. Um, Yes. And speaking back, no. you had asked me about the difference between Canada and here, and I had my little dip yeah. on the Canadian film grants. Well, that's also why I chose to have our Canadian premiere at Centred in Canada, which is a film festival in Toronto at a bike courier uh, theater called Cinecycle, where there's like all these bicycles hanging on a wall. They fix bikes in the day, and at night it turns into a movie theater. And, uh, and oh, cool. Centred in Canada is for Canadian-based filmmakers that um, you know don't uh, basically get accepted by all the other Canadian film festivals like Toronto International and stuff because there is that sure. in thing and these guys really bring it out that's what their whole festival is about and I was happy that we had the Canadian premiere for the Little House that could there too so if you know it's not only don't I forget the people that helped me but I don't forget the film festivals that helped me too yeah like we're showing I'm quite impressed we're showing this at at Centred in Canada, we're showing this at Philadelphia Independent Film Festival, we're showing this at Queens World Film Festival. Like I, I did Queens World Film Festival in 2014 with Little House That Could, and it was nominated for uh, Best LGBT Documentary. We didn't win it, but it was just it was the first nomination we got, and it was it was a cool a cool thing. So I remember these people, and we go back like they're, like they're the festivals for sure. I'll support because they supported me. They took the chance. Um, 
That's and we're awesome. talking to a couple others, but the first film festival, the big one that ever gave me a chance with the Little House that could is the oldest gay film festival in the world called Frameline out of San Francisco. And they're very supportive. Mm-hmm. This film didn't fit their genre, but uh, um, I would have showed it there if it did. You know, Maybe I should have because we ended up getting called recently by Torino uh, LGBT Film Festival in Italy, so they're deciding if it's going to fit or not. I don't really think of this as an LGBT film scumbag. I think of it more as a BLT mm-hmm. film, but like it, you know, right. they can let us in tomato. But uh, I think uh, I think it can be appealing to LGBT people that eat BLT sandwiches. I think it could be appealing to any audience, just throwing that out there. And I don't want to forget to ask you the obvious question, which is here we are talking about this movie over and over again. So to the listening audience who've never heard of you before, who've never looked at anything that you've ever put out, or let alone a website or whatever, give everybody just a Not uh, even the a most nice, wanted stuff? Well, yeah, no, we won't go there. <laughs> so, <laughs> can we get a simple summarization of the film, obviously? Because if those uh, folks in either um, Philadelphia or anywhere else in the world are going to go off and want to see a film, they're going to want to know what it's about. So if you could give us a short synopsis of what the film is about, get them a little bit excited about it, then they can visit the website, obviously, and see it, and then go to a screening. Well, if I was writing you, the absolute shortest explanation would be an explanation <laughs> point. <laughs> <laughs> but but talking about it, um, it's uh, Scumbag is a story about a wannabe superstar DJ named Phil who uh, needs a day job but doesn't realize the day job is going to cost him his life. He he gets a job at a telemarketing company where he, he he tries to keep up with murderers, drug dealers, crazy people, and, and ex-cons. Um, all all while battling addiction, the law, and trying to save the only thing left in his life, his girlfriend. Uh, also, of uh-huh. course, he battles insanity um, just while keeping up with these people. It's very like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest where Jack Nicholas Jack Nicholson, not the golfer. Um, <laughs> Jack Nicholson thinks uh, he can beat the, the the prison system by going to a mental institution, but uh, he ends up becoming a, a mental patient because of it. Uh, same thing with with uh, the main character here. It's an autobiography. I, I thought I I just needed a day job for a couple months to pay my rent while working at this like hundred dollar a night goth DJ gig because my my thing was I walked out of a a film editing company uh, that did like famous Canadian music videos and and I I thought it was boring. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be cool and and live a cool life. And and unfortunately, living a cool life means taking the absolute worst jobs there are. <laughs> And, 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 and <laughs> right. this job, uh, I end up getting sucked in for seven years trying to start my own fraudulent telemarketing company, and, and all, everything failed, you know. Um, America saved me, actually, from all that in the end. Um, but uh, so I'm in, forever indebted to America because <laughs> uh, I've oh never telemarketed here. So, um, sure. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's what it is. It's a dark comedy. Okay. There's a bit of a musical element to it. I call it a rocktopia. Can read about the press on scumbag-movie.com where I talk about what that means, and uh, yeah, we're having our our north. We had a world premiere at International Film Festival Rotterdam. We're about to have our North American premiere this Saturday at Queens right. World Film Festival. It's at 8 p.m. tomorrow, which is at the mm-hmm. Museum of Moving Image. Uh, you can buy uh, tickets from the site. Their site. 
I'll give a secret code to all all your listeners if you want to say four Ooh. bucks. The magic yes. code is Q. Yes. Do it. Q. The magic code is QWFS seven, like Queens World Film Festival seven. You'll you'll say four bucks awesome. on the site. And, uh, and don't forget, obviously, then, April. You're going to Pennsylvania. Yeah, well, actually, April 3rd, uh, we're playing at Berlin Punk Film Fest, which is a film festival called oh, cool. Too Drunk to Watch at Germany's cool. oldest movie theater, Movie Mento. I'm not going to be there, but Anesh from the movie as well as Jade Johnson from the movie are going to be there uh, presenting okay. it. And uh, then we have Philadelphia Independent Film Festival on uh, April 29th, 8 p.m., down at uh, University of Arts uh, Connolly Auditorium. They have tickets for sale on their site. Uh, both uh, tomorrow and Philly's Film Festival, we're having giant after parties, so just come and see me. I know our after party tomorrow is at Webster Hall. Uh, and uh, <gasps> Oh, my God, you're going to Wood- Webster Hall. Yeah, they're having a big party for us. Kayvon Zan and his party called Metropolis. So we'll be on the VIP floor. If anybody's in New York and they want to come, you'll find my event page for it after party for a North American premiere of Scumbag. Uh, send me an email so I can put your name on the list and you won't have to pay 20 bucks to get in. You'll get in for free. It starts at midnight tomorrow after our world premiere happens. Um, and then uh, also, uh, what is it? Uh, in May 27th, we're playing at Centred in Canada, which is at Cinecycle at 129 Spadina Avenue in Toronto. Uh, we have two okay. screenings, one's at 4 and one's at 6. I strongly recommend using the promo code for that, which is SCUMBAG, all in capitals, because uh, that will get you a ticket to the secret 6 p.m. screening where you'll actually get a reserved seat. <laughs> uh, the other is a day pass where you're competing against everybody that's gone there for the day to see all the other films, and it's a smaller theater, okay. so you'll want to get those soon and uh, just stay okay. in touch because we're going to be all over the world and you know like I said right. I'm talking to the distributors like Troma right now as well Troma Entertainment uh, so we might be available everywhere soon yeah well this is, and and the reason that I brought that that entire thing up it's just so funny because the man who runs Webster Hall actually if you don't mind you could give him a message from me is, is a dear friend it of mine no, do you know Gerard McNamee? The guy that, that he no. he is like the general manager there, and he's there all the time. I, I, At least I think he's there right now. It's a small world because the, the clubs that I write about in Scumbag um, mm-hmm. competed against the owner's club. Uh, the owners of the building at Webster Hall are Stephen Ballinger and Doug oh, Ballinger yeah. Uh, yeah. and Lonnie Ballinger. And those guys um, – those guys used to own all the big clubs in Toronto before they moved to New York and, and took over Webster Hall or built Webster Hall. Now they're just there. And okay. I'm doing a radio show tomorrow in New York at Broadway Comedy uh, Comedy Network Comedy Club okay. uh, mm-hmm. with this guy named George Diaz who used to be a bouncer there along with the Iron Sheik from WWF back in the 90s. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's like a small world with Webster Hall. But I could give him a message if I see him. You said his name is Gerard. Well, yeah, I just – and I can send him a message. Myself. I'm, I'm so mad because if I wasn't sick, the original intention was on Thursday I was going to try to get to New York. Not for you in particular, no, that would be cool. I wanted to see the movie. 
Second of all, I have other things to do. You know, I'm shooting a calendar for my, uh, and a lot of the people are in New York City, obviously, and I'm eventually going to live there. So every time I go, plus my film festival is coming up, so I need to do work. And here I am dying. I can't even believe I'm still talking to you because my voice is still here and I'm not hacking along up. But I don't want to tempt fate too much longer. But I want to go to New York City, so I'm really disappointed. And Gerard is, is a friend of the show. He's been on the show. He's actually been in my last book. His film is going to be showing at my film festival, Hip Priest. He's in a film called Hip Priest. So if you look that up, you'll probably recognize Gerard. He's one of the best men. I, I have to tell you that I, I just adore Gerard. There's just no other way to put it. And we always miss each other. Every time I'm in New York, he's in the cat The Last time that I was there, he didn't have time. So I just miss him. <laughs> So you can oh, tell him cool. on my show. He'll know who Sin is uh, because obviously he, I'll, I'll share this with you because this is so cool. I did a book of all my radio show guests in the last two years, and I might do this again. And he was part of it because he was on the show. He came to me from a PR person, and we just got to be really good friends. And I said to everybody, I said, I'll write, you know, I've read a whole page and a half about everybody. And I said, in return, if you don't mind, talk about the show and me. And he did, and he was very, very sweet. And at the very end, he had wrote this comment that said, and I just have to admit, plain and simple, she's hot as shit. He's the only man, let alone any person I know that's ever said that. And I just, to this that's day, cool. I was like, so he's he's a doll. He's an absolute doll. He's a terrific actor, wonderful man. He's a singer, and he's Irish, so I'm sure that if he was drinking, because he's sober now, so he'd be uh, he'd be drinking and smoking, but he gave up drinking and smoking. So I'm proud of you, Gerard, even though I never get to see you anymore. So I'm really mad because you're going to my favorite place to see my favorite person, and I don't get to see your film. So this is what we're going to do, because we have a couple business things to do before we wrap up the show. So I will give you an invitation for two different things. For one, if you'd like to submit, I'm still taking submissions, of course, so submit to my festival. It's at the end of June, and it's likely, unless I change the venue, it's at the producer's club in New York City. Second of all, I'd like you to entertain the idea, if you would, because you fall under the criteria of your writer, your producer, your director. I have six industry panels, so if you find you have the time and you have the interest, I'd love for you to sit and be or act as one of the panelists, if you would. I'm always looking for panelists because uh, young minds come and a lot of people come and they want to learn about the experience of writing or directing a movie, and you'd be ideal for that. So I think that would be lovely. So know that those invitations awesome. are out there. Um, Definitely interested now, in all of that. Well, thank you. And we'll talk about this off air. I'm just kind of throwing it out there for you as an idea. And also, just to let you know, when the show is over with, it'll take about two hours to show and it's archived, and you can post it back up. People can listen to it at any given point in time. I do not want to forget about this. Jocelyn Filman and Brian, uh, Brian Dunn and Jocelyn Filman. Without you two, this man would not be on my show. I actually connected with them off of a PR page, and they threw this idea, and they said, hey, we got this guy. And the minute I saw the word scumbag, I was like, okay, now i got to know more. And then I started telling them, <laughs> so without you two ladies, this cool character would not be on my show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Brian, Brian's a guy. Brian Dunn. Oh, Brian. Brian is, not done, right. is a guy. It's he just B-L-Y-E-N. looks really good in women's clothing. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. That's all right. But the bottom line is, you I'm would sure not be here without them. So, you've got to show up to the people that are around you. So, I always try to. So, without you guys, I wouldn't have him. So, thank you guys so much for orchestrating this. And I hope that I did yeah, a good thank job. thank you. Um, I sucked this week. I'm not going to lie. When you're sick all week long, I mean, I tried so hard. I did my research ahead of time, but I'm like, I'm dying here. I'm like, I'm so thrilled. Oh, I'm sorry to hear my that. my last interview. Well, <clears throat> you remind me of the fact that I'm not in New York, so I'm a little pissed off because I'm like, St. Patrick's Day in New York would have been awesome, but instead I get to go out and get drunk with my friends. Not that I endorse alcohol, but I told you guys at the start, be safe tonight. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Now I'm going to read off 
a list of all the different places I found where we can find you. So I'll read all this off. You let me know if I miss anything. Um, Mars has an IMDb profile. He's on Vimeo. He's on LinkedIn. He's on Twitter in two different places, which is Scumbag the Movie, or excuse me, Scumbag Movie, and also at Die, D-I-E-J Mars. He is on Facebook. He has a personal page. He also has Scumbag Movie on, as well as The Little House That Could, all of which are on Facebook. He is on YouTube. His Instagram being Scumbag the Movie. And then, of course, obviously the two websites for the movies are scumbag-movie.com and also the thelittlehousethatcould.net. Anything else that I missed? Any other place they can find you? No, I think I think that's good. I just wanted to – I know it gets a little bit confusing because our Instagram is Scumbag The Movie, but all our Twitter and Facebook is just right. Scumbag Movie. So, yeah. You bet. Okay, so I, I think covered you got all that. that. And before, I, have to, I have to ask this because I forgot and I can't believe I did. Okay, so I'm not the only person who's ever asked you, right? Your name is Mars Robarge, and I'm thinking, seriously? Robarge. Robarge. Oh, Robert. Robert. First of all, I apologize because I should have known that. But your first no, name? no worries. The Mars. Mars yeah, it's pretty. It's you're, pretty you're, simple. My yeah. dad is Zeus, and my mom is Athena. We're gods from Greece oh, uh, originally, and now they're astral people. But um, you know, now actually, it's short for Marcel uh, with S E L. I've just never used that my whole life. Um, in fact, oh, I, I didn't use it to the point that I, I my passports used to say Mars, and I had a problem with my immigration lawyers. Like, wait, that's not your real name. I'm like, oh my well, God. I got Mars Bar my whole life, you know, like from people. But uh, yeah, I'm a French Canadian background and I guess like I guess like one of my idols is Napoleon because of that you know but uh, um, (laughs) uh, I don't speak French too well it's it's bad when the Chinese kids speak better French than you in Canada because they learn it in school and pay attention it's kind of like a Spanish person getting a B in in like a Spanish class (laughs) or something so I just kept using Mars Um, uh, but I'm French Canadian Marcel is my full name Mars is my name, you know. Um, oh, nice. My real name is actually Waldo Lipschitz, but we won't get into that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for a whole other <laughs> no, time. Thank I, I, you so I'm much. joking. I'm joking about that. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mars, yeah. I, I get it. Die J Mars that's is my awesome. DJ name. And now I know because it has been you. driving me nuts all week long when I'm looking at this. And, and you're relaxing. Yeah, well, my everybody, Cindy. my real name is Cindy, but my nickname, my self-given nickname is uh, is Sin. So everything, all my businesses, everything is Sin. I used to say that unless you know me well, don't use that name. It used to offend me a lot because people would call me Sin all the time, and I'm like, I'm sorry, do you know me? Because it's very special <laughs> to me. I I, I waited. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure you can appreciate this. I, I, I'm 47 now, and so, you know, from young on, you know, I learned very early by, you know, I had a parent at home and he was very specific in reminding me, you know what, there's nothing special about you. So it's taken me a really long time. And eventually, you know, six years ago, I decided I was going to develop something special. And people think that Sin is special now. They think that her shows are terrific and they love what she does. And so I've, I've managed to build something that I believe makes me special. So I said, you know, I'm very protective about that. And now I'm like, you know what, so many people know me. I'm like, I don't care if I'm Sin, to be honest with you. Um, I like when Gerard calls me Sin. That's a special kind of something. So I'm like, you know, only the special people say it the right way. But, yeah, I like it when people call me Sin. Sin or Cindy, just don't call me Cynthia. That'll piss me off. Then I stop listening, and I'm like, don't, don't talk to me. You know, once you use the real name. I don't, and I'm very specific. I'm kind of like you in that. I'd be like, in your face, like, don't talk to me. Because I'm like, I don't, it's very, that's a very prim and proper name. And I am, 
I am to some extent, but I'm I'm just the most laid back person you ever want to meet. So I'm like, you know what, it's the name, but I'm not arrogant, so it doesn't match me. So I'm like, I just made my own name up. So yeah, so sin is simple. And well, some people say I like it. I'm the kid cool. that likes to sin, so to speak. But you'll meet me in person. Nice. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> so the last thing on my show, I die. Actually, no, when I hang up with you, I have to make a pot of chili, a pot of soup, and homemade truffles to take to Josh Becker, whose uh, 50th birthday is tonight. So I get to do all this cooking and try to lose my cough and then go out and drink a lot. God, my life is rough. And I got to talk to this kick-ass director today. So the last thing on my show that I get to do is I get to tell you what I think of you. And I'm going to try to make this short because my throat's starting to hurt. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, the reason that I do this is, for one, people get a sense of who you are. <laughs> Where you talk me off and hang up, right? No! See, I love okay, being no, able to say though, this is what I get to tell you. <laughs> hey, people have cried. People have gone silent. People have just been aghast. And I have to tell you, the coolest part about this show is that when I tell people this stuff, this is the part that's not scripted. I don't write this part. This is exactly, this would be like my heart and my head together saying, you know what, this is what I think this do without even meeting them. And so sometimes I seem to be head on. Sometimes I'm kind of a screw loose. We'll see. These are my impressions of you, and I want people to know this because as an audience, they know nothing about you except what we talk about today. I've taken a look and I've researched you, and so I, I would like to think that I know a few things about you. So here it goes. You get to be quiet. You get to listen, and hopefully you won't hang up on me. So these are my impressions of Mars. I'll try to say, oh, wait, no, I'm not going to try to say his last name because I'm drugged up now and I probably won't do it right. So these are my impressions of him. The first time I ever looked at him, all I could think of was, oh, my God, he looks like another pretentious L.A. director coming on my show who thinks the shit doesn't think. Shame hey, on Hey, on, on, on that note, on that note, um, I had a guy <laughs> send me a hate message the other day on Facebook saying, are you going to wear no. those saggy sunglasses to Berlin? So oh, I my God. And then I was like, I guess those glasses are a little bit on the saggy side, but hey. I don't mind them. <laughs> well, and then today you know, he wrote, no, but then today he wrote me, oh, man, I'm really sorry. I was drunk when I wrote you. I love you, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen to that. See, so I was right, folks. Originally, so, when oh, I yeah. looked at him, that's the first thing that I had saw. And when I started to dig into him and take a look, I'll tell you, this is what I found about this person. One of the coolest things that I like about him is the fact that he takes a very small idea and he runs with it. And I was correct in my assumption that he's very assertive about what he does and how how he does it in a good way. He is out to make cinema that is intriguing and exciting and elusive and interesting that combines cultures from the 80s and the 90s. I suspect he's most likely going to do another what I would call vintage type. And what that means is, of course, pulling in some of the old and bringing it into new society for people to check it out. People for like my kids that are 24, 25 years of age. I like his style and his creativity. I like the fact that he has the back of the people that work with him, not because they pay him to, not because they kiss his ass, but because they want to work with him is the overall sense that I get based upon talking to other people that surround you. I find your career to be impressive, first of all, because I like the fact that you used to be a DJ and you are what I call, quote-unquote, creatively flawed in the best way possible, meaning you throw yourself into situations that are going to probably involve a lot of drinking and or drugs and dancing and doing silly stuff out before I am. You took that experience and you made it into the one of the most creative and coolest projects I could think of. I was excited just looking at the stuff before I've even seen the movie. It's always a good sign that you've made a good product when people are excited to see you and meet you before they've even spoken to you. And that's the initial reason why I wanted to talk to you. Granted, a PR person came to me and they said, hey, get to know this person. And what I see of this person, 
I think is awesome. I love the fact that you are parallel to the person that stands next to you in a personal realm. And I like that connection because it's obvious in looking at your pictures that you're benchmarked for happiness with this woman. And again, I congratulate you on that. It would be an honor for me to spend more time with you in person and pick your brain a little bit more. I think you would have been great to party with, but I'm still not going to push wine down your throat because sober is awesome. I look forward to doing more with you. I leave you an open invitation to come back to my show anytime. And I encourage you, hopefully, to participate in one of my ventures. Because I, just, I love doing with people. That's simple. That's what Thank I think you of so you. Much. You don't have to hang up on me. I'm Thank you so much. Here's your, tw- here's your $20. Uh, are we still on the air? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're still on. Thanks for that bribe. No, uh, 20 bucks uh, is going to get me gas in the car today. Thanks. <laughs> 25. Yeah. No, I appreciate yeah. that a lot. And, and uh, the world no, it was great to doing this interview. And, it was, and, 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 and I'm uh, glad I didn't die. It's awesome. You're right on on all those other things. Like I, I, I um, especially uh, doing the the movie with the vintage elements. All my movies, I feel like right. I, I have to make most of my movies about my life because I I know what my life is. You know, I'm not going to pretend well, right. to do something. It's going to be from the heart. And uh, you know, the the little house that could was my life. In the 2000s, and Scumbag was my life in the 90s. Now I've got to do a film about my life in the 80s, uh, growing up in yeah. Toronto. That's one of my films for sure. And and, and I'm, hopefully I'm glad to see something with Deborah. I do too, because yeah, it's, uh, it's, everything's yeah. kind of knock on wood. It's good, you know. And uh, and and uh, yeah, and and. Best of luck with you too, and I see that you're going to do a film, and you're just going to do it, you know. And as far as directing goes, people get better the more you do, so it's like might as well just start, you know. Um, my uh, Jim Jarmish told my friend, uh, "You want to make films, just pull out a camera and start shooting." You know, that's how you make them. <laughs> that's what I'm so, told. So, well, and I'll do the film festival first because it takes a lot of work to pull the film festival together. That's what I'm starting on. At yeah, the end of the month. that's, that's a lot. Festival. You said that. I was it's like, going to be a lot. It is, and and it's not just, and you'll like this. It's not just a festival about showcasing films. It is a bunch of different films. There's a screenplay competition. There's a youth competition. There's there is independent music every night. There'll be indie uh, indie musicians that play every night. There's a TV angle that's being incorporated into it, and it's not all about the celebrity factor. I know, folks, you hate it when I say that, but the reality is, I'm over the celebrity factor. Been there, done that, on all these red carpets, and I think it's important to keep the art alive. So I'm just trying to keep every medium of art alive as far as that co- this goes, and I'll send you information on that and and please like I said if you do happen to run in Gerard please send him a big hug and love from me because I, I just never get to talk to him enough anymore and yeah definitely stay in touch or I'll kick your ass it's just that simple um, and now sure. that I've fulfilled <laughs> yes because I, I would be disappointed I don't like it when people fall away in the sidetracks because I like yeah. bringing them into the fold because you never know how one person can help another person even if it's just the show even if it's just this or this you don't know where the next opportunity is going to come from definitely so yeah so, yeah, so good luck tomorrow, and I wish that I was there. I mean, I, I will be there in spirit. I can guarantee you because it's my favorite place in the whole world, but I have a doubt in spirit. And good luck. Thank, and I hope well, thank well. you so much. Definitely. And good luck, too. You bet. Uh, I look forward Take to reading some of your, your books. Yeah. It'll be awesome. Yeah, like I said, we'll confer after the show, and I'll, and I'll send you all that information. I'm going to run off to the store and do my thing now, but we'll definitely be in touch later today. And um, now you can go off and enjoy your afternoon. Now I'm going to go have another coughing fit before I die. <laughs> but good okay. luck, and I'll talk okay. to you soon. All right, awesome. dear, take Thank care. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Bye. You too. Wasn't he wonderful? Mars is awesome. So one more time, 
He has an IMDb profile, LinkedIn, Vimeo, YouTube. The websites, again, are scumbag-movie.com and thelittlehousethatcould.net. Instagram is scumbagthemovie. Twitter is scumbagmovie and at die, D-I-E, J-Mars. And, of course, Facebook, all three, the personal page, and his last name is spelled again, R-O-B-A-R-G-E, which is Mars Roberge, as he said, the scumbag movie, and the little house that could. One more time again, Brian Dunn, as well as Jocelyn Filman, thank you so much. He was just a true delight and very patient since I had to prolong him a day. Thanks again to my wonderful guest, what I said. I cannot wait to meet you in person. Thanks to my listening audience for putting up with a raspy voice and a hacker all week long. Again, stay safe tonight. I'll post up exactly where my whereabouts are going to be tonight. Um, You guys enjoy yourself. Have a great weekend. I'll be back on the radio next Tuesday. Talk to you soon.